and welcome to the Oakland A's UK podcast, season two, episode 14. It's been a little while since we've done a podcast, and in episode 13, it was a couple of weeks ago in the regular season, we were all a little bit demoralised, not very optimistic that the A's would get to the playoffs. Turns out our lack of optimism was absolutely correct. We then binned off the playoffs, no need to worry about those with the A's not being there, but we are back now. Yes, the off-season doesn't look too hopeful either, but we're going to find reason to be optimistic. As per usual, we've gone from lockdowns to lockouts, but it is always a love-in here on the A's UK podcast. And I am joined, as always, by my two fellow A's UKers, Hannah and Dom. How are you both doing? I'm, I'm very well, thanks, Matt. Um, my, my other team's doing well, so that's keeping me going. Yes, Blackburn going well. Um, we are recording well, just after ju- just after uh, Norwich lost 3-0, so we're not going to talk about football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. Well, yeah. You, our German team's doing all right. That's very true, yes. Union on. Uh, in a Champions League spot, happy days. Eisen Union. Union. Um, and my, uh, my British team's not doing too badly. No, all right, let's not go into that. No need to start singing any songs, that's for, that's for sure. <laughs> Copyright strike coming down on us. But yeah, so as I mentioned, it's been, um, yeah, we've we, we've been wanting to get back to the podcast, but we've been trying to summon up the, <laughs> the, the good spirit to do it, really, because it all ended in a bit of a damp squib. And uh, did either of you watch much of the playoffs? I didn't watch a single game. Not even no. a highlight. <laughs> not, not, not one. In fact, without googling it, I think I'd struggle to tell you who won it. Ah, well, we will come to our predictions <laughs> at some point, which will, which will tell a tale. But um, yes, the only thing I saw really was the Giants going out as they they lost to the Dodgers on a very dodgy umpire call on a strike free, a check swing, which clearly wasn't a swing. And the umpire called him out. Which... Oh, dude, I do know who won it. I'm being stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, we'll come to American that. City. <laughs> there we go. Yes. <laughs> Dedication to the cause. Eh, Tom? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I support their football team, not their baseball team. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, yes, hopefully we still have a baseball team. We're not going to go too far into that. That's a very negative start to the pod. But we will look back at the season in review because it didn't go the way we hoped, although it was far from a disaster either. The A's final record was 86 and 76, so 10 games over 500. And unfortunately for us, that meant we were third in the American League West, nine games behind Houston, who ended up with 95 wins, and four behind Seattle. Oh, dearie me. Uh, The run of three consecutive years in the playoffs has come to an end. And... Picked out a few things from here. First off, we were 52 and 40 before the All-Star break and 34 and 36 afterwards. Guys, we're normally uh, we're normally renowned for being a second-half team. It didn't come together this season for some reason. Other, other than in 2014. Other than, yeah. <laughs> we're a second-half team, it... except for when we're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think, I think both those years have some... Uh, parallels right mm. the, the sort of the year that we thought we were going to hit maturity of the team and really challenge the sort of the third year of a of a, of a stretch of uh making it to the playoffs and, and looking half decent uh and also sadly the year before it all gets blown up <laughs> yes exactly yeah very disappointing and um 
The other thing, we were 43 and 38, both home and away. So we had exactly the same records home and away. So no home field advantage. I did put in my notes, is there anything to COVID? Did it kind of, I don't think it particularly had a big effect across Major League Baseball, but clearly it was a difficult, unusual season, Hannah. And um, yeah, home cooking didn't do a lot for us. No, I'd, I'd be interested to see what the figures were for last season. You know when mm. when we didn't have any fans at all, um, because it, it, I'm not sure whether it's wildly different, but it, it would be a shame if the time that we, you know, we finally got the fans back after, and you know, the anticipation of 12 months of not having them. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I wouldn't say that it's COVID. Potentially the Vegas stuff. Um, mm. That that yeah. Um, but I, I just think the buzz of the team after the trade window. You know, the last last couple of really good trades. Um, so, so it does surprise me that, yeah, we, we slumped quite as, as much as we did. Yeah, you certainly can't blame the front office for giving up or anything. They they did their best, but we obviously had things like the Bassett injury and remote suspension. So there were a few things that kind of went against us, unfortunately. But I think the biggest thing was the record in the AL West. So although we were able to beat up on the Angels, 15 wins out of our 19 games against them, and we did recover well enough against Houston, obviously that disastrous uh, four game sweep and the Coliseum to start eight and eleven. We ended up there. Then we recover at the end of the season when they'd already already made the playoffs. Well, you take the wins whenever you get them. Dom, <laughs> it's still the same team, Dom. Still the same players. Exactly, we had to beat. Yeah, all counts the same. And we just about got the better of Texas, ten to nine. Well, we didn't play eleven very well, but it was uh, a shambles against Seattle. I've put in my notes four and fifteen. Lost 15 of our 19 games against Seattle. I'd, I'd like anything... to take responsibility for that. Did you take responsibility? <laughs> no, I I would like to. Um, okay. I'd just like to put it out there that um, when we had the little sum up the uh, AL West yes. teams in four words, I said, I think, surprise, second place finishers for Seattle. Oh. And lo and behold, it came true. That's true. So you're responsible for predicting an optimistic thing that came true. Dom, you're responsible <laughs> for, what was it, perennially shite? Yeah. So my, my, I, I thought I had to sum up the other four teams in five words. So I went shite, shite, perennially shite and cheats. <laughs> yeah, um, Seattle well was perennially shite. <laughs> Except when they played against us, yeah. Yeah. And that's a real shame because they've got some good young players coming through. So, um, yeah, that's a very disappointing. A disappointing to finish behind them anyway, but that record. And it just seemed like there were several series we had against them where even even though things weren't quite going our way at the time, if we'd have been able to win two or three against them or even sweep a series, that would have completely changed the momentum of the run over the final month. And just every time we got ourselves into a position where we might be able to change the momentum. We just it just didn't go our bull, way, unfortunately. The bullpen struck. <laughs> the bullpen struck. That's very true. Yes, and we can go right back to Trevor Rosenthal. Never pitching an inning for us. You know, it was uh, yes, not good. But in saying it was not good, um, we didn't want to go through every single part of the season because we're not complete masochists. <laughs> but we did want it to be positive. So I thought I would come up with a thing called one for sorry, two for joy. So we, although we will acknowledge one bad thing, 
we will level it up with two good things. And I have a little video music for you to lead us in. Yes, that's what I did yesterday. So my Saturday was worthwhile. <laughs> you got you got to put the effort in, guys. Excellent, Matt. Thank you. Pro- production <laughs> levels off the charts as always. There we go, as always. <laughs> so one for sorry, two for joy. So the ones I've gone for, obviously, uh, and this is a slight, kind of slightly cheating, really, because uh, mentioning Ray Fossey's passing is obviously much more consequential than anything that went on in the diamond in terms of a bad mark for the year. Um, left the broadcast booth sort of halfway through the season and it was announced at that point he'd been battling cancer for a number of years and very sadly lost his life over just a month or so ago. Um, I mentioned on Twitter with us guys that because we live over here, the vast majority of games we watch, we watch on TV or online. So Ray Fossey has kind of been a voice that we've heard throughout our AU supporting lives and it will be very, very weird coming back next season. A bit like with Dick Callahan in the previous season, it's weird to see those people whose voices are so synonymous with experience in the community of the A's no longer being there. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what to well, what to add to that. You, you make an excellent point. You know, he was the voice that we listen to especially when we finally got access to MLB TV um, mm-hmm. yeah and I think you can just see by the the way his co-presenters and the team that worked with him as well as his ex-players just how big a how big a character he was and how important he was to so many people yeah absolutely. very sad there um, and what kind of added to it was Sean Murphy not long after Wolves announced as the Gold Glove winner at Catcher and Ray Fossey being a former catcher was always going on about the uh, the art of catching and how much he loved Sean Murphy. So it's a real show. It was kind of bittersweet in a, in a sense because obviously Ray didn't live to see it, but I'm sure he'd have been very proud of Murph winning that gold glove. And the other one I went for in my two for joy was Sean Manai. Now, well, again, we'll come to predictions as to whether this was a surprise or not. I'm getting shakes of head saying it wasn't a surprise, but it was great. What, what you can all agree on, I am sure it was great to see him back to his best. He was back to his best at the end of the season before, Matt. Well, <laughs> and it didn't surprise me. <laughs> no. Okay, okay. But that, that was my one for sorry, two for joy. Do you guys have a one for sorry, two for joy? Yes. Yep. So let's go with Hannah first. Um, my one for sorrow is quite a big one. Um, and it, well, it's it's more a feeling, a general feeling that we missed the boat with such a great gr- group of guys who obviously had chemistry. Um, and p- perhaps more last season than this season. Um, maybe expectation got the better of us this season, but but yeah, that that's my big sorrow. Um, my joy is we should get a heck of a haul for Matt Olson and Matt Chapman. Um, that's that, you your know, joy. <laughs> We're trading the mats. Yeah, but just no, I'm thinking about the players that we're gonna get. We're gonna get some real stars for the future. Like we're gonna trade them so that yes, it's a sorrow, but they're gone now. So let's focus on the guys that we're gonna get in instead. You know, the next 
the next um, Caprellian or or whatever. Um, and then my other joy, seeing as my last one was poo-pooed, I think this one will go down better. Uh, Bassett's comeback after taking that ball to the head. Um, that was great to see. Even if it's probably the last time we'll see him as an A. Um. <laughs> one for sorry, two for joy. One, one for was, sorry. That's two joyful things that were also yeah. terrible. <laughs> Three, three for sorrow there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would you like me to try and rectify this, Matt? Have a go, Dob. Have a go. Well, my one for sorrow is is quite a big one, um, and it's the absolute farce off the field with all this Vegas crap. Yeah. Um, you could probably widen it to just having the worst owners in baseball, just yep. the continual refusal to invest in the team, the fiasco with with pursuing, and we've seen it in the news the last couple of weeks, a couple of days even, that they've made a bid for the space of the Tropicana Casino to build the new stadium in Vegas. Just commit to Oakland and get it done, guys. Yeah. Uh, so that that was story of the season. I think it was only a, a month or so into the season that we were talking with George Jorge, uh, and we were, you know, they were replacing the uh, flags in right field with with banners of protest. Uh, and it's just been a cloud that's hung over the team the whole way through. I think the players acknowledged that shortly after the All-Star break, that it, it wasn't a good thing. Um, so that's the one for Sorrow. Uh, two for Joy. First one, Stalin Marte. Uh, an Damn absolute really. Rolls-Royce of a player. The sexiest thing I've ever seen in A's uniform. Um, just, amazing. <laughs> just amazing. Just um, amazing. I... I, I uh, proper five tools, just everything he does turned to gold. He was excellent. He was yeah. exciting every time he came to bat. Every time the ball was hit, even in the vicinity of him, he was making the catches. Um, and it's just, it was nice, even if it was fleeting, to have a player of that quality on the A's. Yeah. Uh, and two, um, probably the surprise package of the season, uh, Tony Kemp. Um, better than nothing, isn't he, Matt? <laughs> certainly is as I always said he would be <laughs> I think uh, I think we, uh, we even ignoring the predictions I think we all enjoyed uh, Tony's rise to prominence and rise to being a regular starter um, and I think uh, probably just for the three of us we all also enjoyed Stringer's affection for him yeah. <laughs> Stringer being Tony joins us uh, for, for watch alongs one of our mates uh, he's just getting into baseball and has uh, taken a real shine to Tony Kemp. So uh, How could those, you are my, those are my two for joy. Lovely. There we go. So, yes. Yeah, there was certainly, as I mentioned in the kind of intro, really, it was disappointing how it ended, but there were lots of good things along the season. And to be fair, even when looking ahead to years where, because we've seen this in the past, where we're not winning games, where it's a struggle, there's usually always some good stories along the way that sustain you through the season. If you're not, you know, if you're losing lots of games, there are still reasons to enjoy it, aren't there? So, um, yes, it was a, not a season we wanted, but far from a lost season either. And talking about lost seasons and things that may have been lost, it's time to look at predictions. The open days so we'd have a prediction here at HUK. And we had a bunch that we predicted on a podcast earlier in the season. Wins and losses, the A's home run leader, 
who we would face in the ALCS, who we would face in the World Series. Obviously, there's a slight caveat on those last two. Uh, who would be the surprise player of the season? And can I walk offs? So it's um, us three and Jay, our friend New York A's Jay, were on the list. So we start off wins and losses. And we all overshot what we would end up having, unfortunately. But the closest was Dom on 88 and 74. So congratulations, Dom, for your pessimism. Enjoy your hollow victory. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely hollow victory. As you were. (laughs) As you were. Not so hollow with the home run leader. So Hannah went for Chappie. Jay went for Moreland. That one fell apart. I went for Ramon. That one fell apart. But Dom went for the man. Just can't get enough. Matty Olsen. That's the one, yeah. 39 on the season for him. Didn't quite get to 40, but um, an incredible season for him. And there were times where it looked like he was almost, it was almost like, especially before Sterling Marte got here, it was almost like some of the other members of the team were waiting for him to do something. <laughs> like, Matty will come through, uh, which is a bit of a blessing and a curse in some ways because you kind of wanted other people to step up too. But um, yeah, Dom, you will be very happy with Matt Olsen's contribution. Yeah, and it was nice to have someone in the home run derby. I think that's the first time we've had someone in that since Cespedes. Possibly, yeah. Um, So that was exciting, wasn't it? But uh, yeah, no, Matt Olsen, superstar. Superstar. Next up, the ALCS opponents. So obviously um, there were actually two teams we could have picked here because we weren't one of them. Uh, Houston and Boston made it through to the ALCS and we all blanked on that. So Dom, you went for Chicago, White Sox. Didn't quite come through. Hannah went for Tampa Bay. Good pick, but again, not quite coming through. Jay went for Toronto. I went for New York Yankees. So I completely missed out. <laughs> um, I think it was more, I didn't want them to get there, so I picked them. I think that was my... <laughs> I still think I still think the, the series against Toronto where they swept us was where it went wrong. Yeah, that was bad. Not com- <laughs> I, I'm... Yeah, Semi and with the walk-off home run. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to keep this joyful as you were next. Yeah, as you were. <laughs> but the World Series opponent, it was obviously Atlanta who got through. Um, and that was Jay who picked Atlanta. So Jay Jay got the, the bum deal here because we all picked our choices and then Jay had to come in last. But he came out <laughs> well. So Don went for San Diego, who had a nightmare of a season. All of the hype coming into the season, they were... Nowhere close. The Mets were another team who didn't really come through. That was Hannah's pick. Oh, I, I was a year early with that with the Mets. I was going to say stick, early. Stick well, to yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll come to that. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's splash in the cash. Um, yeah, I went for the Dodgers, and again, that didn't really come through. Oh, the Jay Dodgers were close. <laughs> yeah, well, they were close. Yeah, they were close. But Atlanta were able to get it done, and and of course, if there's one thing we can all agree on. Atlanta beating Houston in the World Series. I mean, we all we we all won, really, didn't we? (laughs) (laughs) So, if you wanted to be like Panicate, you could say that you also won because it's World Series opposition, Matt. So it's not actually who won; it's just who we would face in the World Series and Atlanta and the Dodgers. So, Uh, well, yeah, potentially. Yeah, you only face one in the World Series. Atlanta, the only ones who made it. Yeah, it's a nice oh, yeah. effort, Dan. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I appreciate your effort, but I'll get I was to trying see. to bring some positivity. 
Well, we're going to bring an argument here because the, no the, all of those so far have been definitive. It's like it's a factual answer. This, this is definitive. The well, <laughs> this is absolutely is definitive. Two of, them, two of them never played. One of them is already superstar. <laughs> and the other went from a peripheral role to a starter. <laughs> so, um, yeah, surprise A's player. Um, Anna can. went for the jackpot machine. Um, but I could be right because maybe it's a surprise times? how bad he was. Well, well, how many times did he even play? Six. Yeah. And he got <laughs> he got one hit, and it was. A well, bump. I think I think I think if we were going that for a surprise, surprise it, it, I'd, I'd probably give it to Jay. Jackpot surprise! Yeah, Jay went for Dalton Jeffries, who mm. um, I can't even remember if he. I mean, he did come up didn't, at some point, didn't, didn't he? Didn't him? play, did he? Or did he, he get a game right at the end? It. Yeah, I think he might have done. Um, but yeah, no, Dalton Jeffries didn't really get much of a look in, albeit because of how well Cole Irvin and James Capellian did. So, um, yeah, he was kind of the odd man out there. I went for Manaya. Um, you're not going to allow me to go for Manaya, so I'll just, um, you know, I, I will sweep across that. Dom, you went for Tony Kim, the actual surprise player of the season. I can't argue against it, I, I really <laughs> want to, but, <laughs> but I can't. He I... was tremendous. I think the best one would have, none of us picked it, but the best one would have been Caprellian, I think. That's true. Yeah. Maybe, that yeah. is true. Yeah, because he, and especially, you know, he looked like he would be either the, the Dalton Jeffries or the Cole Evan because he looked like he wouldn't make the team at all or at least be in the minors and kind of be on the outside. And he came up Cole. and just did really well, you know. Cole, Cole would have been another, another Cole, good chow. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, with no disrespect to friend of the uh, UKAs, I don't think any of us expected him to remain in the starting rotation the whole way through the season. No, no, that was certainly. Um, and he, yeah, he did, he did so on merit. He did. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was. It's kind of as expected. Both of them had a few points in the season where they went through a few dodgy games, but you, you expect that in someone's first season in the major leagues where. You know, they'll run into a bit of dead arm trouble and things like that. So, um, yeah, it was really good to see those two guys get so many starts and to generally pitch so well. That's certainly something, certainly a positive for the future because they're both under contract for, I think, five more years, I think, something like that. So, um, yeah, it'll be at least three years before we trade them away. So, hey, <laughs> enjoy them while I'm here. Now, the final one. So, if I'm giving you that one, Dom, which I don't think I can really avoid it, um, you have won three of the first five categories and no one else has won enough to catch you. So the fact that I couldn't work out how many walk-offs can I hit doesn't matter. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going through the stats and I'm like, I can't see it anywhere. So I don't know how many walk-offs he got. I don't think, it, I think he might have got one. I don't think. I thought many. one. I, I thought, thought it one. was one. I yeah. thought it was one, which yeah. would be me. I went for one. Jay went for two. Don went for four, Hannah decided to go for zero. Um, so maybe I won one category at least. <laughs> but um, yeah, we'll say I won it and no one bothers to check it. That's fine by me. That works. Someone will, someone will tweet at us. <laughs> someone, will, someone will come at us, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, can of walk-offs, you could almost say that another way because... Kind of has walked off, unfortunately. Um, right. Cue but, the talent fodder music. <laughs> yeah, but, but well, before we get to that, actually, I will um, I will try and bring us some hope. The
So the hope here, if we can do it, is that um, I've kind of looked back at the last period when we won, got into the playoffs three years in a row, uh, 2012 to 2014. And then the next three seasons where we were dead last in the American League West. But when you look at those, here we go, 2015. First off, we acquired Mark Canner as a Rule 5 pick, or we got him via Colorado. And because we were struggling that year, he was able to work through some struggles and stay on the team all year, which meant we kept him. So that worked out really well for us. Marcus Semien played 152 games that season, struggled quite a lot, to be fair. Loads and loads of errors, 35, but he was able, we were able to keep him in the team and kind of learn through all those growing pains. So he came good. And then halfway through the season, we traded Ben Sopris to get Sean Manaya. So Lale worked out fine. Following year, KD joined, hit 42 home runs. That was great to watch. We then had um, Ole and Pinder. Uh, they made their big league debuts of Z. They went on and have done really well for us. At the deadline, we traded Josh Reddick and Rich Hill to the Dodgers and ended up with Frankie Montes. So he's been great for us. Grant Holmes hasn't yet come up, uh, but probably will do this coming season. And Joel Cotton as well. And then in 2017, Chapman and Oli got regular playing time in a team that wasn't really winning, but again, able to work through some struggles. Uh, Mid-July, we traded Sean Doolittle and Ryan Madsen to the Nationals, receiving Blake Trinan, who would go on to be so good for us the following season and Jesus Lozano. And we also traded away Sonny Gray at the deadline, which meant we got James Caprillion. So it is one of those things whereby, you know, you'd like to not go through these difficult periods. But as I mentioned, you can kind of find reasons to enjoy them during the season. And with our front office, especially the way David Forst works, Hannah, um, you know, they find a way to get it done. And I know we've spoken about this previously on podcasts we often find a way to get back into contention quicker than most people would predict. Yeah, I think it, it's usually, it's not, I mean, your standard rebuild would take maybe five years or, or longer um, when you're going through a proper rebuild. But mm. ours seem to be two to three. Um, and maybe in that third year, we're not contending, but things are getting exciting. We've got new talents that are coming up. Um, so, yeah, I'm not, it's, you know, it's gutting to go through a rebuild again after having such success recently. But um, it does to me, it doesn't seem that long, assuming we're still in our cunt when we come good again, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we'll come on to that. But first off, we will look at the off-season so far. So, um, yeah, I mean, we can't avoid the negative here. The big thing, Bob Melvin leaving. Um, after so many years with a team, became our quote-unquote winningest manager, which is one of those wonderful Americans we all love. Terrible. (laughs) With the open days. Um, I mean, it was kind of expected that he might go at some point, but when he the A's signed him to, uh, or they took up their option, we had an extra year under contract. So um, it it, it then just came out of the blue to me, guys. Um, What did you think of it? I, I I don't think I was very surprised. Um, I I don't think that it's like having an added year in on your contract. It doesn't seem that binding, does it? And I think if mm. they'd already made the decision that you know we were going to go down the rebuild route, I wasn't I wasn't that shocked. I'll be honest. Um, I guess yeah. I think I think they they his contract actually ended this year, didn't it? But we had the option to extend for one year. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It wasn't it wasn't 
it wasn't maybe the biggest surprise. I think the other thing to mention is, and I think that this is harsh. Uh, a few fans weren't unhappy with that he that he was going. Yeah. Um, I don't really understand that point of view. If I'm honest, I think mm. you know. For me, all all roads lead to Rome, and Rome is that we've got shit owners that won't invest in the team. Yeah. Once they refuse to invest, I actually think the front office and Melvin did good jobs. I think Melvin was very very good, particularly at developing young players, and yeah. some of these players who we're now saying made the front office look like rock stars, were developed by Melvin. The exactly. likes of Karner, Karner, you know, rule five, that's Kai Tom. Mm. That, that, that's the quality we were talking about when we took him on. And he was, he was a, a regular, um, uh, you know, first, first in the lineup mm. um, by the time he leaves us. So, yes, the only thing with Bob Melvin, when, um, I, when it was announced he was going to the Padres, I mean, if there was one team I would have liked him to go to in some ways, it is the Padres because they've got a very exciting team. Yes, it went wrong for them this year, but you look at the amount of talent they've got. I mean, obviously, an amazing place to go and live and to work, and they've got a very good team. They invest in their team. So if Bob was going somewhere, I'd want him to go somewhere that had a genuine shot for him to do something special, and I think he's got that. So um, good on Bob for getting a good move. And I suspect... Um, because there was some talk that, well, maybe the A's were happy for him to go because he was owed something like four million this year. But the A's didn't have to pick up his option. So if it was really a money thing, they just would have not bothered picking up the option. I think it was more a case of they they took the option, but said to him when they did it, look, if a good team comes in for you, we're not going to stand in your way. I think that was probably knowing how much respect the front office have for him. I suspect that was the case. So. Yeah, a shame for us, but you can kind of understand why I'd want to go, considering what's about to come. And that leads on to two of the guys who, uh, two of our free agents uh, who have left. So we've got 13 free agents, more than any other team in the majors. Three of them have signed with another team already. And two of them have gone to the free-spending New York Mets. So Sterling Marte was no real surprise. I know we tried to talk it up ourselves. Maybe there might be a chance. Maybe, 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 maybe. We knew we were kidding ourselves on that one. So he has signed a four-year, $78 million contract with the Mets. And Mark Hanna has joined him as well on a two-year, $26.5 million contract. Dom, um, are you going to have to adopt the Mets as your National League team then? <laughs> um, they probably already were. I like City Field the best out mm. of the National League stadiums I've been to. Oh, maybe I like Petco. I don't know. Um, but um, I, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the words. I just, Marte, as you say, I can understand that. How we can't find the money to keep Carney. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't get me wrong. Please for the boy. He's getting his payday, isn't he? Um, deserves it. It's just entirely frustrating that we can't keep players it's not that big a, you know it's not outrageous a deal either is no. it like, again no. like with Simeon you know with a 10 million for a year it's I think that's what makes it more frustrating in a way yeah it's like you know with Amate you knew there'd be a lot of competition for him um, and still four years 78 million for what he brings to the team is not that much really but with Canna 13 million a year any decent team should be able to afford that especially when you're only you know you're only on a hook for two years so it's not likely he's going to fall off a cliff in performance in those two years and burden you with a big contract so disappointing but again it comes back to the point that 
you know, it's a good opportunity for those guys, not only getting paid, but being on a team where they actually invest in teammates and invest in good players, which will be a bit of a unique thing for, well, all of them actually, because Marte previously was with the Pirates and then the Marlins, although he was briefly with the D-backs as well, wasn't he? So, um, yeah, good for them. Also good for Yang Gome. So he was only here for those two months, uh, joining from the Nationals with Josh Harrison. He's joined the Cubs for two years, $13 million contract. So decent money for him. So he'll be happy with that. Um, clearly was just um, a secondary piece for us to help out Sean Murphy in his first full proper season with us. Um, he was never going to be the regular here. So, um, yeah, good deal for him. But otherwise, we then have 10 more free agents left. Um, and you then have Sean Manaya and Chris Bassett, who both have one year left under contract. Mark Chapman and Olsen have two years left. Could be quite a busy off-season, guys. Well, unless they don't get a deal. Well, that's very true, yeah. <laughs> not very busy at the moment and no one can do anything if we're ever if if we're ever going to miss a year of baseball because they can't get a deal this is the year to do it (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the slightly optimistic way of looking at yeah so no one can sign at the moment but um it is interesting because so much money was spent before the lockout and we'll come to that in a second um because there was some talk initially that no one would really want to jump into signing the deal beforehand, but it kind of worked the opposite way. And um, you do suspect with people like Manar and Bassett in particular, one year left, it's going to be a case of when the top starting pitchers as free agents go off the board and the teams that wanted them who missed out are now looking for someone, that's when the trade market for guys like that will start heating up. And generally speaking, the team has done well when they've traded a guy like that and getting a good value in return. Um, but it is the thing, you know, they'll look at someone like Mark Canner, who's on a free agent deal, and you just think, well, yeah, that must be really nice going and getting paid and being with a team that spends money on really good players. Because it's always been a thing, like with Mark, um, with Matt Chapman, you know, people say lock him up on a contract, but why would he want to stay? <laughs> but, but, you know, unless we, unless we gave him like 300 odd million, uh, so much money he couldn't turn it down. You know, other teams will pay for him. And if he's going somewhere that would build yeah, why, a winner around him, players... why would he want to stay, given the way the owners have I... ran the team, basically? Chat... Chapman, I've almost gone full circle on. I think you just spoke to me two years ago. I'd have been heartbroken at the very concept of him going. But his comments about the fans, he, the guy doesn't fit in in Oakland. No. Uh, he's, he's clearly a, um, a Republican at heart. <laughs> Um, he can he, he can disappear. Let's get enough magic beans for him. Um, well, that's going to be an interesting one, because again, this year, although he was gold glove defence, he still went through some real struggles with his hitting. And uh, the previous year, he ended up having to go on the injured list with a, I think it was a hip injury. He had to have surgery on, so there was hope that he would bounce back. And Although he hit some home runs, he was second on the team of home runs. He's really, you know, he's difficult to peg because there's so much potential there, but you are paying for potential at the plate because he's not he's, really showing it, is he? He's a confidence hitter. Mm. And I think if he was in a team surrounded by hitters rather than being the player that's got pressure on him, I think he'd flourish. Mm. I, don't get me wrong. I think the guy's natural talent is off the scale. He's brilliant. Um, just not a fan of some of his comments about the fans. No, no, he doesn't help himself really, does he? Um, 
As opposed to someone like Matt Olson, who has always spoken pretty well and very respectfully um, about Oakland. He's a Georgia native, so all the talk there is Freddie Freeman, their great first baseman at the Braves, um, is a free agent. Everyone expects him to go back to Atlanta. It's like, why wouldn't Atlanta come to a deal with him? But there is increasingly talk that he might go to some Atlanta Dodgers. And if he did, then the Braves would come after Olsen very keenly to trade for him as a Georgia native and then to lock him up on a long-term deal, which I'm sure would be great for him. So, um, The Braves the Braves have got money. They'll keep Freeman. You would think so, wouldn't you? It's like... It, uh, that makes no sense. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. But people are saying, well, they haven't been able to come to a deal with him yet and they thought he would be the first guy off the board. So we shall see. We shall see. Just means they're going to pay more than they wanted to for Probably. him. Probably. <laughs> Possibly. Well... <laughs> Well, alongside all those free agents, we have uh, 10 players who are arbitration eligible. So that's in terms of they're under contract, but their salary for 2022 is still up for debate. Uh, we have tendered contracts to all of those guys, as expected, um, and have come to a deal on three of them. So one of them was Diolis Guerrera, who signed for 815 grand. He was someone who was very much an unheralded signing uh, but actually, at times, he did really well for us. He's not someone who's going to become a close or anything, but there were a number of occasions. I remember him relieving for Jesus Lozado at one point and coming in and pitching three innings and pitching really well. So um, good deal to get him back on board because we desperately need arms in that bullpen. But the other two are guys we really love. One of them, the aforementioned Tony Kemp, who signed for two. And a surprise player of the season. Surprise player of the season. He didn't get a bonus by the looks of it. Um, that may be in the post to him, but he signed for two and a quarter million. And Chad Pinder, who also I think only has one year left under contract, he signed for 2.7 million. And you do wonder with those two guys, it, it's one of those situations with players leaving. Um, it's an opportunity for them because yes, they want money and they're, you know, they're going to get paid a decent contract this year, but more than anything for those guys, they want to be playing regularly, you know, for them, more important for them to play regularly than to be a bit part player on a team that wins this coming season, I guess. Um, do you think Do you think we'll see a lot more of Pinder and Kemp this year, Hannah, or next season? I mean, we've kind of said that before with Pinder and it's never quite come. But but as you say, if, if there's ever a time when he is going to get the chance, um, yeah. I, we're doing all this discussion assuming that everyone's gone already. Obviously, this could change if Dom's <clears throat> if Dom's uh, pipe dream comes true um, <laughs> about no movement. But yeah, I've I've always liked Chad Pinder. Um, I I feel a bit sorry for him that he's the versatile one. Um, I think that's a tag that while has obviously afforded him a lot, you know, he's got a contract through it. Um, I just think he, he's got so much to give. Um, so, yeah, I'd be really pleased to see him play 160 games. Yeah, it's like being a utility player in football, isn't it, where you, you, mm. never got the, you never get the opportunity to nail down a position and really bring out the best in yourself. I think that's been the issue with Chad. And, of course, he started the season, got a big hit, I think, in the second game then crashed into the wall and had a bad injury. It's like he does seem to be a bit snake-bitten, uh, does Chad. So hopefully this season is the, or next season is the season of Pinder at the A's. Um, but yeah, it's going to be tricky next season because we expect the A's to be taking a few steps back and our rivals are certainly taking a few steps forward. No more so than the Texas Rangers. So the biggest deal left signed so far is with the outstanding ex-Dodger shortstop Corey Seager, who they've signed on a 10-year deal worth $325 million. 
So that's a lot of money. We also signed John Gray, the former Rockies pitcher, for a four-year, $56 million deal. But the one, of course, we need to focus on is the one where we need to bring in some music. There he is. Marcus Simeon, guys, uh, signs a seven-year, $175 million deal. Fault's done. Please, yeah, for him. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely agree. I mean, we can't... If, if we spent money and he'd chosen to leave, I'd feel totally different about him, but we forced him out. I mean, we offered him a, a, a pay-as-you-play deal over like five or six years or something yeah, with a million quid a year instead of just a straight up 15 or whatever Toronto paid we're absolute jokers when it comes to trying to keep talent um, and we saw Semyon really I mean he's he's the perfect example he's a better example than Karner of Bob Melvin taking a player low in confidence just building the, the whole way through um, and Semyon I mean the first season he was with us I forget which year it was he looked an absolute mess every time the ball yeah, came near him. Yeah. He was streaky with the bat. Um, and he developed the whole way through into a... Did he get a gold glove in his he last season a gold with, glove us? with us? Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we loved him. Yeah. Hannah still does. I do. I think, actually, that you just mentioned um, the development. I think it was it was Ron Washington that played the biggest part in that. I think he spent a lot of time working with him. And, you know, I think, I don't know if we've talked about it, but I think he was one one of the touted candidates to come back and, and manage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if you've got someone like that who can develop players the way he developed Simeon. Um, but just on my final word on Simeon, um, even though, you know, I'm gutted again, it's like being hit again by the bad news that he's gone somewhere else and it's yeah it's texas rangers but at least we'll get to see him for what 20 25 games a season so um you know i hope he stinks <laughs> <laughs> yeah that works for us you know he gets his 175 million um you know maybe this is the uh, the, the follow-up to the chris davis deal <laughs> um, you know they cut him like a piece of nothing and we're going to get him back with marcus because they all met up, didn't they? That was Tony Kemp, Marcus, and KD met up in Toronto when we went to Toronto. They took that photo of them in the restaurant together. So, yeah, maybe mm. there is a agent semi and is going to come into effect, hopefully. Um, and maybe then down the line, he will form a uh, consortium with people and buy the Oakland A's. And it will maybe he's the excuse. Maybe he's the excuse we've been looking for to vi- visit the egregious waste of public funds park. Yeah, go that far, actually. I mean, it is a, we joke about that dump of a place, but it is what we kind of expected a couple of years ago, that Rangers were coming out of a rebuilding period, just launched a new ballpark. You expect a team like that to spend quite a lot of money. Didn't happen last off-season because of COVID, but it is happening now. And we then look at, say, Seattle, who took a step forward last year or last season, they reportedly have agreed to deal with Robbie Ray, the Cy Young winner, five years, $115 million. So it's one of those things whereby if you're going to take a couple of years where you're taking a step backwards, you might as well do that in a way that coincides with a few of your biggest rivals taking a step forward 
So hopefully they're on the way down when you're back on the way up. I mean, I guess that is the idea, though. Yeah, no, I think so. Um, it's just a shame that we're one of the rivals that's taken a step backwards. Well, yeah. yes. <laughs> it's a timing thing. We'll 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 come again, but um, it's just all a bit tough to take right now. It is, and that coincides with the um, a bit of an update on the ballpark stuff. So I will um, call this a stay or sell the team segment. I mean, that's pretty much all I need to say, really. Um, but yes, so it's such a di- it's been such a difficult year with it all back in. I think it was March when the Vega stuff all started kicking off. And it's difficult in part because we find it so horrible to see um, the politicians and the fans in the area being treated like dirt like this. But at the same time, a lot of progress has been made in Oakland with Oakland City Council in part because of all of the public pressure of the Vegas thing. It's difficult to look at it in anything other than a negative way. But there was the report, I know, Dom, you mentioned it a little earlier, that um, the A's are putting in an offer on a piece of land in Vegas. But when you start drilling into that, there's still lots of doubt in terms of they have no idea where to get the money from at the moment. They've been asking the governors in Vegas for money around things like hotel tax and things like that. And they all saying, no, we've done that with the NHL team and the Raiders. We're not doing that again. You're not getting any of that money. So um, quite how they would come to a deal there, we don't yet know. And all of the all of the stuff that's come out, particularly from Major League Baseball, has been that Oakland is still their first choice, but they don't want to be in a situation whereby we get to the end of the Coliseum lease, which is 2024, not long away, and we're, we're no further forward. So I, I, I get the feeling it's kind of how it, I mean, Dave Cavill has talked about it being how a terminal bust, and I think that's the way MLB look at it. If we're going to stay in the area, it's how a terminal getting done, they're not prepared for it to go back to square one with another site in the area. It's either Howard Terminal or they go to Vegas. Is that your reading of it, Dom? <laughs> <laughs> Hannah, would you like um, to huff and sigh as well? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 as you say, the the, the Vegas, I, I, it's just so disrespectful it's, of the fans. The whole posting pictures at Las Vegas Knights games and going spending time in Vegas and posting it to your timeline, it's just, it just it's just leaves a really sour taste after the guy got popularity by pushing the Rooted in Oakland yeah. hashtag. Um, and to some extent, okay, if it turns out that it was all a political game and he delivers that stadium in Oakland, I'll be the first to, to backpedal and forgive him probably. Um, it just all seems so unnecessary to the to, to well f- for me, um, and and as you say, the Vegas the Vegas plans seem half-assed, half-baked. Um, let's hope that 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 the premise that you put forward, Matt, is right, mm-hmm. and that it's not just the early stages of what would become a fully baked Vegas plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're seeing with the Raiders that the Raiders are out supported in their own ground every every week. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a tourist city. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, 
the, the size of the city is not, you know, if they, if COVID was a thing and you you weren't allowed to travel about, Vegas can't support a team, no. let alone three major league teams. Um, there's tiny, tiny population there. Um, so I, clearly they're, they're they're bargaining off of the back of tourists. If we're gonna do that, let's just let's just run ferry rides from San Francisco and nick some of their tourists <laughs> and build in Oakland. I mean, just get on with it, guys. Um, I think there's there's been some good progress with the council recently. Mm. Um, I think it was Kaplan who was posting some stuff on Twitter a couple of weeks back about the progress they've made. Mm. Um, so massive fingers crossed. Let's hope. Um, but having had two or three years of rooted in Oakland. This season has absolutely sucked. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I think that's been the biggest shame of it all. That Dave Cavill seemed to be the one who had done so much good work to build bridges with an area and a fan base that had been disillusioned and disenfranchised by the A's. And I guess that's just his his role. Really, he's doing what he's been asked to do by Fisher and Co. Um, but yeah, it does seem like. It does seem like he could have done it a better way, frankly, but I don't know. That I guess they look at it, the ends justifies the means, which isn't how we would look at it, but I guess that's how I they look know. at you, it. You, I, I, I think back to, was it November, December time last year, or maybe it was a bit earlier, um, when they weren't paying the minor leaguers, mm. and he was notable in his silence, yeah. and you thought he clearly disagrees with what Fisher wants him to do yeah. here, because he's saying nothing and he's forcing Fisher to talk. Mm. Um, and even early on with Vegas, I think he forced, I think Fisher did a statement and you think, fair enough, Caval's on our side. Mm. But then to be posting stuff in Vegas, clearly excited by the opportunity. Yeah. There's there's ways and means of doing this that I think would be less disrespectful of the fans and the city. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, hopefully 2022 will be a year of great progress for us and finally getting to have a terminal along the way the line and then we can forget all about vegas but um yes sorry in answer to, in answer to your question sell the team fisher you arsehole yes. good there we go um and talking about arseholes we can talk more widely about mlb owners because we are um all 30 of them have done the job as per usual um, alongside Manfred, who is, of course, much as he calls himself the Commissioner of Baseball and talking to baseball fans, uh, he is in the employ of the first major league ownership groups. That's that's as amusing as UEFA pretending for five minutes they cared about fans when they were threatened with the European exactly. Super League. Manfred exactly. doesn't give a shit about any of us. No, of course he doesn't. <laughs> um, it's not his job to. He would, I guess, the owners think. Uh, so, yes, the collective bargaining agreement that controls everything around how MLB and the players operate expired on Wednesday night, just gone, uh, and our owners immediately turned around and locked out the players, which in some ways doesn't affect them too much at the moment because it's off-season, they don't get paid. Although it does mean things like players who are rehabbing from injuries won't be able to have any contacts with medical stuff, which seems ridiculous. That seems completely counterproductive for everyone, but that's how it works. We even had the weird situation of MLB.com has taken all of the photos of all of the players off the website. All of the videos have had to come off, or they claim they've had to come off, which may, many players have now gone on Twitter and have changed their Twitter avatar to a to the, uh, you know, blacked out face of all of, that they've put on MLB.com just to take the piss, basically. Um, but it's, it, I mean, it's 
it's basically been expected for the past couple of years, Hannah, that this time it would not be all in a nice agreement. The players very much feel like the last couple of agreements have really gone the way of owners. Um, and it's difficult, but, I mean, both sides have come out and said, well, the one thing we know is we will come to a deal. It's just how quickly we get there. And, uh, you know, the, the, the owners and Rob Manfred and everyone likes to talk about greedy players, but it's it's hard to take the side of owners in all of this sort of thing. Yeah, I, th- I think both sides are probably greedy, the owners yeah. much more so. Um I think I don't know that much about it because I haven't read a ton about it. I think I even had to ask you guys, you know, what, what in simple terms, <laughs> what's going on. But but from what I've since read, it seems a bit like a formality and that, you know, come into spring training that it, it will be, be settled. Um, but then again, I don't remember the last time uh, there was a massive dispute and that and that oh, went yeah. on for quite quite a while, didn't it? So, 94, um, 95 for the player strike, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I think part of it is that the the players obviously want a, a larger percentage of the money to go to the players. Currently, I mean, and this is almost one of the key things, it's up for debate as to how much is going to the owners. General consensus at the moment is about 57% goes to owners, 43% to the players, and really they want a 50-50 split, which is generally how it works in other leagues. Um, so... MLB are trying to say, well, look, the players have got it great. But they're saying, well, actually, our wages in real terms have gone down over the past five years whilst revenues have gone up. So something was not quite right. Um, so it is interesting. If I, if I was the commissioner of baseball, I'd be far more worried about viewing figures going down. Really? Um, and I think that's where my focus would be rather than trying to enrich owners. I mean, it's just a fiasco. It a fiasco. It's the last thing the sport needs. It is. And it's interesting because the players are very much focusing in on things that some of the fans are really unhappy with, not least the idea of teams tanking. Uh, you had last year, you had people like the Orioles and Pirates. I mean, both of them are about 50 million for their entire payroll, which is ridiculous. There is no way they are not earning hugely more than that in the, all of the national TV revenues. And it is taking money out of people's pockets and fans don't like it, you know, much as people like it if they build a great team. You know, you're still expecting fans in Pittsburgh and Baltimore to go to 81 home games a year. I mean, we have a situation in Oakland where they're putting season ticket prices up next season. I mean, you know, you're selling off all your players. You're telling everyone the ballpark is shit and the area is shit. But can you pay twice as much for your season ticket, please? That's the contempt these people hold fans in, don't they? Um, so there we go. Yes. I think I think a lot of that's to do with um, oh god what was his second name Chris um, the COO who oh, was Chris Giles uh, yes Chris Giles uh, I think they're just unwinding a lot of the good work he did mm. um, yes unwinding good work that seems to be quite a quite a theme of the podcast and quite a theme of Major League Baseball at the moment but. Uh, we shall see how that goes. Obviously, the main thing at the moment, well, there were two sides to it. One, because we are locked out or the players are locked out, we can't trade everyone away, as you mentioned, Dom. So there's some slight thing there. There was talk in some of the earlier proposals of uh, the owners agreeing to uh, or offering a $100 million uh, salary floor or payroll floor. So everyone had to spend at least that amount. Uh, which would be, be which would be pretty much the only thing that would prevent us from going down to fifty million 
payroll if we had to pay 100 million. Although that doesn't seem to be going anywhere because the players are convinced that if you accept a hard floor, it is inevitable they will want a hard cap as well, which is one of the fundamental things the players have always argued against. They don't want a hard payroll cap for the biggest team. So we'll see. But uh, yes, it was all up in the air at the moment. That is the players being greedy. A payroll cap would be a good thing. It would make the whole league more competitive. We would think so. But um, yeah, there we go. Anyway, we will move on. We have covered baseball. It is now surely time for a little bit of soccer and some open route stuff. Roots News, Dom. Yes. Roots News. So, since we last communed, um, the Roots made their, made their, made the playoffs at the end of what has been an absolute roller coaster season. Let's not forget that they started off with one win in about 12, something like that. Um, they weren't able to play home games because their pitch didn't pass an inspection, so they had to move somewhere else. And they were hit by COVID and missed three games in the middle of the season. So to cap the season with a winning run that got them into the playoffs in the last game was spectacular. And they did it in proper roots fashion. So they needed to win on the last day. And LA Galaxy 2, one of the most egregious concepts in sport, um, had to had to not win. Um, the roots had kicked off about 30 minutes before LA Galaxy. Uh, and managed to win their game 1-0 against Sporting Kansas. Uh, And we all then turned over to watch um, LA Galaxy absolutely pummel Orange County. Um, They had the ball cleared off the line. There was probably a penalty, if I'm honest, um, that wasn't given. Um, they They were going for it. And then in the last minute, literally 90 plus two or something, Orange County break. Uh, and score and won the game, meaning that the Roots qualified, um, which was fantastic. They were then drawn because they were bot. Well, they they weren't bottom; they were fourth, which is the lowest spot that qualified from the Western Division. Uh, they have a seeding mechanism, so we had to play the top team, the best seed from the Mountain Division, which was El Paso. We had to play them in El Paso, where they hadn't lost a game for two years. Um, and uh, we we had a little watch along. Did I remember? Yeah, what a game! Um, and uh, the, the roots the roots were defensive. They set up to play a compact game. Uh, the keeper played the game of his life. <laughs> um, and uh, and on about the sixty or seventieth minute, around that time, mid mid second half, uh, having just come on, Bakila made it one nil to the roots. And the Roots then weathered an absolute battering in the last 15 <laughs> minutes to uh, to hold on and uh, deliver El Paso's first loss at home in two years and to progress to the conference semi-final. In the conference semi-final, they met the aforementioned Orange County, who'd done them a favour in getting them in. Um, they had played Orange County three times before and lost all three during the regular season. So it was a tough ask. However, um, 
they uh, they went to Orange County. They were resilient. They played another compact game, playing on the break. They had some good chances. It was nil-nil at full time, nil-nil after extra time, and five all after everyone had taken five penalties. Uh, it was the first set of penalties in sudden death where the route sadly missed. Um, our keeper then made a save but was judged to have left his line. It was retaken and they scored and won the game. So what was an epic first season, a real roller coaster ride, did end in heartbreak. Um, a lot was said about the, uh, the decision to, to retake the penalty. I think it was probably the right decision on balance, but it's a, it's a tough one to take because you so often do see, see those not given. Um, so if it's any, uh, any consolation whatsoever for Roots fans, Orange County went on to win the whole thing uh, and they only got past us on penalties. Yeah. Uh, it shows you quite the journey that the Roots team have been on since the start of the season to the end. I think they could have contended with any team in, in, in the USL Championship by the end. And if they can carry that forward into next season, it could be a really, really exciting year. Brilliant. In terms of in terms of next season, uh, the schedule should be out in four to six weeks, I'm told, by our friend of the show, Tommy. Um, there could be interleague play. They haven't decided yet. Obviously, last season, because of COVID, they were restricted to just playing Western Division mm. teams. But there could be interleague t- uh, play, which could lead to uh, excitement for us because it might mean that there's some kickoff times that work. Um, and also, you never know, they may pop up in places that we're visiting. I've already said if they could have a game near New York the weekend before the Yankees series, that'd be <laughs> ideal. Yeah, um, the schedulers there. <laughs> and uh, very similar to uh, MLB, obviously their players are now in whatever stage of contracting is going on over there. Uh, but pleasingly, they've tied the keeper down, who uh, aforementioned was was uh, at the front and centre of the playoffs run. Um, and some other of the key players have been tied down as well. So everything rosy and promising for the Roots. Um, for what it's worth, if we've got any listeners with deep pockets, they're having a, a silent auction in uh, the name of raising funds for various good causes. Um and uh, even if you're not bidding, it's worth just going on to see the piece of artwork that was made for them. You included in um, it. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It's proper artwork rather than anything that includes a picture of me. Um, but uh, it is it, it, it's a very, very nice piece of art. I think if they were to base next season's kit on it, it'd be stunning. Um, and that's it for Roots there News. So a very so, positive first season. Sad, sad, but so many positives to take. I think uh, in a season where we've already said the A's have been absolutely disgraceful to the city and the fans, the Roots have done the city properly proudly. That's a positive note to end on, I think. Thank you for the Roots news there, Dom. We finish off with any other baseball as per usual. I'll be honest, I think I've covered everything I wanted to cover. Have we got any other baseball from either of you guys? Not from me. No, there we go. So we will wrap up the season from 2021 is in the books. It didn't go quite the way we wanted with the A's, but there was plenty of things for us to enjoy across the way. And it will be the same for the off-season once we finally get out of the lockout. We'll probably see some of our wonderful favourites going elsewhere, but there will always be new favourites to come along and for us to enjoy. And talking about things to enjoy. So we've got the negativity out in today's podcast. 
we will hopefully i just realized yesterday it was three weeks we're three weeks to christmas now aren't we it was three weeks yesterday on saturday so we will aim if we can to do a pod uh, like a pre-christmas festive cheerful pod should we should we do a secret santa yes can do yeah no that's a good idea <laughs> okay uh, secret santa open it oh on the pod. yes <laughs> okay and we'll see We'll see when we do that, because we can do it as a live stream as well as putting up on a podcast. So if we can organise that, then other people can join in and send in comments too. So um, check out Oakland AUK on Twitter and across social media. Uh, we'll put forward any plans that we've got for actually doing it live and you've been able to join in. We will have them on the Twitter and the social media. So uh, thank you both for joining me again today. And we shall be back with the next podcast very soon. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you soon. Yeah, we're the Oakland